0: Welcome to the Blip podcast, where we help agents build successful agencies. Today I had John Dar with the Dar Shackow agency on. John's agency is considerably north of 40 million in premium, and he's been an agent since I was in high school. So, This is a really special episode for me because many of my guests are not tenured insurance agency owners with large agencies. And I've wanted to start incorporating owners of this caliber so we can learn from them and learn from the pains they've already gone through, the lessons they've learned and the processes they have in place to maintain and grow an agency this size. John didn't disappoint and what a cool guy. So let's get into it. But before we do, this episode is brought to you by our anti-aggregator Blue Lion Insurance Partners, or BLIP for short. Check out what we're doing at bluelioninsurancepartners.com. Now, let's get into it. So without further delay, here's my conversation with John Dar. All right. I think that's it. We're live. So, yeah. Um, Hey, everyone who watches this now or in the future or listens on the podcast. Thank you for joining us. Welcome to the Blit Podcast. And uh, this is where we help agents build successful agencies. My name is Josh Berg. And if you're interested in what we're doing, check us out at bluelioninsurancepartners.com. And if you have not subscribed to the podcast or the YouTube channel or wherever you're listening and you've received any value from it, I would love it if you would. So if you can subscribe, like, comment, it really helps us reach more people. Um, So anyway, today I have John Darr with Dar Shackow Insurance in Florida with us. So John, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: Yeah, man. Um, So... John and I met a little bit ago virtually and um, we were just talking and I thought he would be somebody who would be great to get on here. He's got um, a good amount of history, runs a fairly large operation, fairly large insurance agency. And I thought we could get kind of like an inside look because I know that a lot of us are kind of aspiring to get where John is now. And uh, anyway, I'm also curious to see what John, what your goals are for the future? Because like, I know uh, I was just thinking about this and going over it. And I'm like, okay, John's where I want to be now. I had other goals that we've surpassed in our agency. And, and at first when we were starting out, I was thinking, oh, when I get to these levels that I've made it, you know, and then you kind of get there and you're like, well, Well, you know, it's not, then I'm not really feel like I've made it. I want to know what's next, you know? And so you're kind of at my next level. That's where I, that's where I'm looking down the road to be. So anyway, if you can just kind of give us maybe a history or an overview of how you got into insurance, how you got to where you are today, and then we can kind of get more into, into details. That would be great.
1: Sure. I will try to make it as exciting as I possibly (laughs) can. Well, we're talking about
0: an insurance, so it's pretty exciting right
1: exactly it's exciting to me for sure yeah so uh yeah so I'll tell you the funny story of how I got into insurance so when I graduated college I played college golf in a small school in South Carolina and I thought I was going to turn pro and, and have this wonderful pro golf career and uh for those that know me know my father was the golf coach at university of florida years ago and he was a national championship golfer and turned pro for a little while and really really good player and he asked me he said son let me ask you a question he said could i ever beat jack nicholas or uh there was a guy named hale irwin that maybe people have heard of or it was more his age nicholas a little older Um, Tom Watson all that. He says, you know, could I ever beat those guys? And I said, well, no, sir, you you couldn't beat those guys. And he says, well, (laughs) could you ever beat me? And most of the time I couldn't. He was a really good player. So most of the time he beat me. So then he says, uh, what makes you think you're going to beat Jack Nicklaus? And what makes you think you're going to beat Tom Watson and Hale Irwin and all these guys? when you can't beat me and I said, uh, it's a good point. He says, what you need to do is go get your insurance license and (laughs) sell insurance because it's the only product that I know of that they make laws that you're required to buy. He said, there are no laws of, uh, you know, you don't have to buy a refrigerator. You don't have to buy a car necessarily you don't have, but you have to buy insurance so I said you know what you're right um, so when I got out of school I, I, I shadowed him for about a week and then uh, I basically went and got my license and started from scratch started from zero because the year I started he had just transferred from an independent agency to owning his own nationwide agency So he was about a year into building his own nationwide agency. So he you don't
0: hear of that too much, right? You don't hear of an agent being an independent and going more captive.
1: Correct. It was very rare. But in Florida, back in the late, or sorry, the early 90s, 92, uh, nationwide in Florida got rid of all of their commercial insurance uh, business in about 88, 89. And then they came back and they said, that wasn't a good idea. So we want to go hire independent agents to try to get back some of the commercial business that they, they non-renewed. So they did. And he was one of the agents that they uh, hired to do that. So in 92, he started his own agency and I started as an associate agent in his office in 93. So he literally didn't have anything to give me. He didn't have any of his own. So it was a, I started from scratch I worked 15 years as an associate agent in his office. In 2008, January of 2008, he decided to retire. So a lot of what I learned was from him. He was the, he was the greatest insurance salesperson that I've ever met. Uh, he went from starting his own agency in 92 to retiring in 08. So literally in 16 years, he sold so much insurance that he's like, Hey, I want you to take this over. I want you to run with it. Um, we, when he retired, we were probably about 12 people, something like that. Yeah. Um, so in 2008, I, I took over still as a Nationwide. Um, and I started into this program they had with Nationwide in 2008. And then in about September of 2008, Nationwide came to us and said, Hey, we're making all you guys independent agents in the state of Florida. There's going to be no more captive nationwide agents in the state of Florida. So that was like, okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we acted, we mostly acted as an independent agent uh, nationwide. The contract with Nationwide is, such that if, because of the, uh, they were limited on property down here, we we could broker a lot of stuff. So we 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 acted sort of as an, an independent, even though we were technically nationwide captives. Uh, so we had a I had a leg up going into that. So I kind of kind of knew what to do.
0: A little. So I was going to ask you when they made that transition, did that negatively affect you, or did it just open more doors for you guys?
1: absolutely opened more doors. There was a lot of guys that old nationwide guys that fought it and they fought it really tooth and nail and they did not like it. They didn't like the the whole thing. Um, What was their,
0: what was their reasoning for that?
1: I think a lot of it goes back to, you know, they had worked for nationwide for 20, 30 years and they, they, they sort of felt like nationwide promised them something that didn't come to fruition in the end. Mm. So, You know, I, I looked at it as, you know, I'm starting over, not starting over, but I was starting new anyway, buying my father's book of business and going through the transition from nationwide. So for me, it was, it was like, look, you know, I think it's a great opportunity. I knew, I knew some independent agents and I knew the opportunity. um, So I was excited. I mean, I, I, I took, I didn't slow down at all. Um, as a matter of fact, I bought an agency at the time that was retired guy was retiring down in Leesburg and, uh, he didn't want any part of the independent world. He, he was, he definitely wasn't for him. So I bought an agency at the same time, wow. uh, the transition. And at the same time, Ray Shackow, and this is kind of unique too. Ray Shackow had his own nationwide agency that we shared office space for 15 years. So literally, we had two competing nationwide agents in the same office competing for 15 years. So when we went independent, we also decided to merge. We said, look, in the independent world, bigger is better. You have more advantages by being bigger. So we said, why don't we just merge the two and get some economies of scale? So we did. So that's when it became Darshakow Insurance. And the funny thing is, the only reason why my name was first was D came before S in the phone book. Yeah, which yeah. <laughs> you know <laughs> doesn't matter anymore. But anyway, um, so we merged at the same time. So I I transitioned from nationwide to independent. Nine months later, went independent, and then two months or three months after that, we merged and put everything together. Um, and you know now we're fifty three call fifty three people wow uh, seven offices um, you know way north of forty million i guess is is if you want to look at a size as far as that goes, yeah, and uh it's been great i I enjoy every day, I truly. After 25 years, I, I can tell you that every day I get up and I can't wait to work. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't like doing yard work. I do like playing golf and I like fishing, but <laughs> I, if I'm not doing that, I, I truly enjoy working and I enjoy the chase every single day. So
0: uh, what's your role now? What's your role in the agency?
1: That's a good question, Josh. That is a good <laughs> question, because and the reason why I say that is, I truly love to sell. I, I love; it's all I can do to not take on a new client because it's what I enjoy doing. I'm good at it. I, I. I but the problem becomes when you get to a certain point, and and it took me a while to understand this is. I can be the greatest salesperson on the planet, but I can't outsell 52 other people. Right. So, you know, I had to transition from focusing on individual clients and I still have individual clients. I still do have some clients, but that's not really the future. The future is going to be the people within our team and within the agency taking us as a team to the next level. And it really changes because, you know, I used to focus on my clients. Now I really try to focus on my employees and my team. They're the ones that need my focus and my attention and my support and my you know, expertise, so to speak. Yeah. So that's one of the things that has changed over the years is, you know, instead of having clients that I focus on, I really try to focus on my people.
0: So do um so your role now, is it, I mean, it sounds like for sure it's more managerial and like bigger picture.
1: Yes. But my partner, uh, Ray, is much better at the operational side of the business. He went to Wake Forest. He's a really smart guy. And we said early on, when we merged, I said, look, I'm not good at the operational side. I'm a sales guy. I will always be a sales guy. That's what I like to do. You handle the operational piece of this. And he's a good sales guy, too. That's not... It's not to say that he's not a good sales guy, he is a good sales sure. guy. He's just better at the operational piece of it. He's much better at analyzing and going, okay, how's this gonna affect this group? And that, you know, what does this mean? And, and that sort of thing. So when we merged, we basically said, look, I want my role, the role that I wanna play is I wanna be the face of the agency. I wanna go out and network and meet people and be involved in the community and be that guy the sales guy focused on all of those things and you be the inside guy the the operational guy the um you know admin and then my brother-in-law is the cfo he's the money guy so he is it's a three-headed monster right now really yeah Um, and he handles the money he makes sure that you know we have money in the bank Obviously, I can trust him, so he fills that role. For those of you agents out there, you know you, you're running a lot of money through your agencies, and you've got to have somebody. If you're not doing it yourself, you've got to have somebody you can trust. And you know you you want checks and balances all the time on on. Uh, hey, I'm going to move you. Sorry. Sure. You want to have checks and balances on everybody involved, especially on the money side of things. Um,
0: I think we might have just froze. All right. We are going to just hold for a minute until John comes back online. I think his connection got uh, messed up. But so this is, I guess I'll just take this opportunity to I guess share um, a little bit about um, why I wanted to have John on. So, um, one of the things with a lot of people who are um, who are well known, um, who are kind of in the spotlight in our world, is they don't necessarily they're they're not tenured. I guess. Um, hey, John. All right. All right, I'm back. Sorry. John's back. So I was just saying, I was just taking a minute while you you were getting back on there just to talk about a little bit about, you know, kind of why I wanted to do this and have you on. And I'm going to have additional guests on in the future that are more tenured agents with larger agencies that have been through kind of the ups and downs and, um, you know, when the economy's turned curious, you know, what does that look like for an insurance agency, even though it's mandated a lot of the stuff that we, um, sell is not required, you know, life insurance sales, I'm sure go down a little bit. Umbrella policies probably get dropped off when people's assets decrease, um, things along those lines, probably right. Less toys, boats and motorcycles. Um, so anyway, um, I'm going to have a few more guests on down the road that are, um, on, you know, not in the same boat as you, but are, um, you know, more tenured, larger agents that, um, people like myself were aspiring to get to that point. It's, you know, have something to look forward to lessons learned, what are best practices, things like that. So, um, anyway, now that you're back, I was asking when your computer froze. So, um, you have, eight locations right now. Is that correct?
1: Eight locations. Yes.
0: And how are those set up? Like, I guess first, how did you get to eight locations? And then how are those set up right now?
1: All those locations were, were locations that we purchased agencies. Okay. So most of the agencies that we've purchased were situations where either the agent was looking to retire um or the agent was looking to try to partner with someone that's gonna help them get to the next level. Oh, okay. So in Florida, it's it can be very difficult to write property coverage. Right. Um so there's a lot of carriers, there's a lot of these Florida, what we call them pup carriers, that um some of the smaller agents um have to fill the bucket. And if they can't fill the bucket because the underwriting changes or you know it becomes harder and harder, then they either look to go to an aggregator or look to merge with somebody that can help protect them from losing the appointment, so to speak. Um, so that's a couple of the agencies that we've purchased were that situation. And they've come in frankly, and they've come in and done a great job trying to take that agency that they have to the next level. Um, so it's, it's, been, it's been, real. that's really the, the location uh, piece of the puzzle is, is agencies that we've purchased.
0: Okay. And so then now that you have eight locations, is each location run the same? Is it a very organized structure?
1: We like to think it is, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we like to think it's an organized, um, from the standpoint of, uh, you know, we use we use the same agency management system, we use the same phone system, we use the same uh, information, like when we take intake information, the same forms. Uh, we have a trainer, we have a full-time trainer person that goes around to all of those locations and trains everybody to make sure they understand how to use TAM online, make sure they understand how to use Applied Raider, make sure they understand how to use uh, Document and that sort of thing. And then we also have a full-time HR guy that is handling the human resources piece and he really works hard on culture and, and doing those sort of things. So, you know, culture is vitally important to us. We really work hard as I, as I've learned over the years of being in the business, you know, before it was, we were such a small agency, it was me. So I didn't, I didn't worry about culture, but now that, you know, we're to the size we are, culture is really, really important. I mean, those, those, those agencies out there that whether they're my size or bigger, we'll tell you, or even smaller, we'll tell you, once you get people on a, on a team, it's vitally important that you care about those people and treat them like you would want to be treated. You know, we've, we've gotten to the point where we are because of my people, you know, it's a, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, a three pronged sword, so to speak. You know, I, I talk about People being really important, but you've also got to have products for them to sell. You, know, you can have the best people in the world, but if they don't have anything to sell, you're not going to get to where you are. And then processes. So yeah, so the seven agencies and or the eight, eight offices, really, we try to follow the same process. Now, some of those agencies do more commercial than personalized. So it's a little different um, from that standpoint you know when they're working on the commercial lines side of things versus personal lines but really it's we try to make it consistent.
0: Yeah. And so what um what does each office look like? So you have eight locations like is there you know three people in each office or five I guess five people in each office or you know how does that look?
1: The Gainesville office has over 30 people in it.
0: That's people the big one though.
1: there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the big one. Um, the other offices typically have two, three, some offices have one person okay. in them. Um, we have more and more remote people as we continue to grow. We're ha- we're, it seems that we're continuing to add more and more remote folks because, um, you know, just lots of reasons. You know, the, these folks are really great insurance people and I trust them and they work from home. And they do a great job working from home. And, you so know, you haven't
0: seen a big discrepancy between the production or the quality of work from somebody who's virtual based on somebody who's in the office?
1: Absolutely not.
0: Do you, think not that you, do you think that you could move almost your whole operation virtual and it would, you wouldn't see that much of a downturn or none at all? Correct. You think so? Interesting. Cause I know there's a lot of people who are worried about that. You know, um, I
1: think it goes back to culture and it goes back to people and trust. You know, the people that work remote now trying to think of the folks that work remote used to work for me in this office or in one of the other locations. Okay. So at the end of the day, if they're not doing their job, I will I will know eventually. Yeah. And that problem will solve itself, so to speak. Yeah. So you have to set your organization up and have checks and balances so that if you do have folks working remotely, they can't hide. They 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 you can't let them hide. You have to be able to measure what they're doing okay and hold them accountable if they're not doing it and i think you'll have nothing to worry about i think the benefits of working from home like we have a, a a person that works and she lives in a little bitty town probably 30 miles from here in the middle of nowhere she is 30 miles from our closest off she's like 35 miles from jacksonville 35 miles from Gainesville. she's wonderful she is a superstar rock star and, and the funny thing is we came to her and we said, Hey, we know you drive 30 miles each way every day. We don't want you to do that. Yeah. Would you be willing to work from home? And she's like, absolutely. I would love to work from home. <laughs> you know, it just, it just made sense. And she's still a rock star. She still gets her job done. She still is killing it. Nice. Know? and, and So it really is, it's really about the people you have to, you have to set up the systems and you have to have people that you trust and are on, on board with where you're trying to go as an agency. I mean, you have to create that culture of, Hey, here's where we're trying to go. And we'd love for you to be on the team and and help us get there. And if not, that's okay too. You know, insurance is not for everyone.
0: So um you you talked about culture is there is there i mean do you do tangible things like do you do you actually have a proactive approach to culture or do you just lead the way that you want that you would think would be beneficial for the culture in the agency
1: three or four years ago i would answer this totally differently <laughs> in the last three or four years we have really made it a focus to focus really on the people and praising them and appreciating them and, you know, doing the things that, that a, uh, if, if we were in their situation would want done, and we've really tried hard to do that and it's made a difference. We, we, um, we won some best places to work awards last year. Um, we do things like we have a thank you note board and we do a drawing every month. And we, you know, if you write thank you notes up on the board, we draw somebody and they win a gift card. And, you know, we, uh, the other day, uh, last Friday, the uh, power went out in the office and it was like, I don't know, one o'clock or something like that. And the power didn't come on till. I think six or seven that night, but we sent everybody home. We said, look, we we have no power.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Go home. And you know, it was good Friday, you know, before Easter. So nice little things like that, that, you know, I don't know. I guess I could have made everybody sit in the dark, but you know, that doesn't (laughs) make sense. Candles.
0: That's why you have candles on hand.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, um, (laughs) You know, we do a lot more things that that I don't even know about, frankly. Yeah. Uh, my HR guy Jamie is he's great, and he and he really does things that um, that frankly I don't even know about that help with the culture piece of it. Um, we've had people, you know, that are that need to be out for whatever reason, and um, you know, the, the rest of the staff will help and pick up their slack. And, you know, if they're out for medical reason or whatever, you know, we we try, we encourage that. We do little things like lunches and stuff like that. Um, Cause it's not always about money. I mean, it's, yes, we try to pay them as much as we possibly can pay them, but yeah. it's not, it's not always about raises and that kind of stuff. It was funny, I was just having a conversation this morning with a, a group of folks that maybe six or seven people from this office that went antiquing on Saturday. Oh yeah. Then they went and had lunch somewhere together and they were like, Oh my gosh, it was the best Saturday. We hung out, you know, cause we get to see each other on a work day every, you know, every, every day and, and it's focused around work, but they went antiquing and they had a nice lunch and, she, you know, a few of them were like, Oh my God, I laughed so hard. My stomach hurt, you know, the next day, just hanging out with these people in a casual setting. So it means a lot to me as, as you know the leader, I guess, to see the people that are spending time together not just selling insurance but you know outside of work and and that says oh, yeah. a lot it says a lot to who they are as people not not necessarily to me, but it says a lot about them as people and what they you know what what kind of people they are
0: um so can you let's see so we're in we're in April right now. So all the numbers are probably finalized from last year. How how did you guys do last year? Was it you know you maintained, you grew, you shrank over as an overall agency? How did that look for you guys?
1: We were up over twenty percent last year. Um, Ten of it was organic growth. Okay. Ten of it was uh, M and A. Okay. So um, last year was a great year yeah uh, you know we really knocked it out of the park and and frankly it was just the momentum that we created i think that had a lot to do with the culture remember three or four years ago i said you know culture changed our culture got much better than it was and i think it took a couple of years to show up in the bottom line um it is really why I think we grew. Uh, because yeah. Florida's competitive. Florida's a competitive state. I mean, there's a lot of insurance agents here in Florida and it's a competitive situation. But I think the combination of people working together, helping each other, a lot of the people now have, have been here a few years. They understand the processes. Uh, they understand the products. Um, and we're we're not hitting on all cylinders, Josh. Frankly, I mean, I we're we're we still need to be better at sales, better at marketing. You know, I I look at what you guys do, like you and Nicholas Ayers, and you know Chris Green and and Preston Schmidley and a bunch of these guys. And you guys are superstar marketers and and superstar at technology and I've obviously you can see I'm not real great at technology. So <laughs> you know, I think I think that you know the the younger uh agents are really good at a lot of things that we're not good at. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we can figure that piece of the puzzle out, if we can get better at marketing, better at sales, you know I'm holding a, a I'm holding a sales school internally. I'm going to do one hour a week for eight weeks. And we're just going to talk about sales. And I'm going to train them how to become better salespeople. That's awesome. Um, And, you know, things like that will help us get better. And, you know, so we're not perfect, but we, but that's what we're trying to understand and trying to get better at every day is, is just, you know, the little things, the blocking and tackling, so to speak.
0: Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I I think it's true. I think it's true what you said about, you know, the some of the younger agents having different um, skill sets or, you know, being better at certain things than people who've been in the industry for a long time. But I think one of the things is that what you and other people who are in a similar situation have to offer is so incredibly valuable because like most i'm not trying to lump you into any groups but most of you fly under the radar and it's like who who is this person how big is their agency like why do i not know who they are you know and and like you guys are just consistent and it keeps going and rolling and like growing and it's it's incredible so anyway i'm glad you're on because this is awesome i think a lot of people need to hear this um,
1: yeah, so what I feel bad for some of those older agents that have been, you know, have built big businesses and they're really afraid to share, you know, they're afraid to share ideas. They're afraid to share information because they're competitive. You know, they grew up in a, in a very ultra competitive situation that they didn't want to share anything with anybody. Yeah. And your generation definitely shares. And, you know, and I really appreciate that. And I want to give back to some of the younger people in the industry that are in that situation where they're just starting out or a few years into it, you know, and help them because frankly, there's plenty of business to go around. I mean, my gosh, there is plenty of business to go around. So, you know, if I can, if I can share an idea with somebody that helps them, and also learn an idea from some of the, you guys out there that will help me. And I'm, 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 it's a win win. I think, yeah. I mean, I think I have a responsibility, so I appreciate what you do with this podcast and that kind of stuff. I, I really enjoy watching these because I, I do learn sometimes more than I, than I, that I, uh, realize. So I appreciate it. Well, good.
0: That. Yeah. Heck yeah. Um, well, so, okay, so back to your agency and some of the details on that. So um, is, do you guys have a, um, like a, I mean, we talked about culture. I know there's some things like, you know, mission, agency mission and values and things like that. How important are, are those kind of bigger corporate type things for you guys?
1: They're very important but what's more important is you have to walk the walk like they're not just words yeah you know for those for those people out there that are uh you know that are trying to build something and trying to you know maybe maybe are smaller than us it, it's yes it's important to have you know the vision the the, the uh, mission statements and all of that written down. We have all of that, but frankly, it's more important to act like that than it is to know what it is, so to speak. Yeah. Gotcha. So, you know, we try to preach as much as we can treat people the way you'd want to be treated, whether, whether it's a coworker or a customer or a prospect or just some other insurance agent. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had I, I we I interviewed somebody who was interested in joining us, who's another insurance agent in town. And, okay. she, and she came in and, and chatted and whatever. And I said, you know, if you ever need help, feel free to call me. And she, she looked at me like I have three heads. She's like, <laughs> Are you serious? You'd be you willing to help me? And I said, sure. I said, you know, there's there's thankfully insurance, this job is the is the best job and the best career that I know of. Yeah. It, you know, my dad taught me years ago. He said, son, like I said, you're selling something that by law people have to buy. What other, what other industry gives you that? Now they don't have right. to buy it for you. So, you know, what other industry gives you, you know, the ability to not discount a price, if, if you go get a price from an agency down the street and you get a price from us, it's the same price.
0: Yeah. Hopefully. Well, <laughs>
1: you, you, well, <laughs> hopefully. It, you can't it shouldn't be any different. You know, there aren't any industries that I know of like that. Yeah. You know, some guy discounts the the washer and dryer set down the street. You're 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 in a tough situation. The insurance industry yeah. does, you know. We don't work nights. We don't work weekends. If you don't want to, we don't. But most yeah, of the yeah. time, we don't. You know. Gosh, I, I don't yeah. know why more people don't do it. Frankly, it's great.
0: I hear you. I love it too. It's great. <laughs> it's uh, not a get
1: rich. <laughs> it's not a get rich quick. Scheme. It's not. Is the you know, my wife's a real estate agent? And, you know, she does these big sales where she'll. Sell a house and she'll come home with this big big check you know or whatever and and that's all great, but on January first she starts at zero
0: right right you
1: know so
0: um yeah. so uh do you do you guys put a large focus on having a um a standard or a yeah i guess a standard customer experience like when do you have like a, a the same process for every lead that comes in? If it's personal, and same process for a lead that's commercial, and after the sale, does it all look the same? The follow up and all that—is it really standardized for you guys?
1: Um, not I wouldn't not really. And, and let me under, let me explain when I say that we give our agents the freedom to do what they think is the right thing to do. Okay, and so so one of our model is is probably a little different than most in that we have agents that when we write the business the customers can continue to have access to that agent over time we want that customer to be able to call their agent up and say hey i need to you know i bought a new auto i I Mm -hmm. need to change you know an auto now i don't want that agent to do the change I want that agent to chat with the client and go, Oh, great. I hear you got a new car. Um, Awesome. How's the family? Great. Uh, You know, did you, Hey, did you ever think about buying that umbrella policy we talked about? Yeah. Oh, great. Okay. So that's what I want our agents to do. So we give them the freedom to not like there's no scripts or anything like that. We just preach and, and try to help our agents understand that yes we treat people the same way but it's mostly they have the ability to be themselves from a personality standpoint um so that i don't force them into a a a box
0: gotcha so um hold on
1: i think your screen just glitched again You there, John?
0: No. All right. I'm gonna wait for John to come back. I'm gonna move this back over to me. So, um, I'm, I hope this is interesting for you guys. I, it's really interesting to me. Um, you know, John and oh, John's been an agent for gosh longer than I've been out of high school. Which is a long time, um, and so it's it's really really interesting and eye opening to get a behind the scenes uh, look, and it's kind of it's unique for me because um like i you know, I have this i guess idea of what a large agency looks like, what it runs like what the process looks like, how how it's split and divided and who does what tasks and all that kind of stuff. Um, hey John, welcome oh, back. No, you're good, man. I, I was just
1: I wasn't even touching anything. I just <laughs> shut
0: up. You're good. I was just saying that um this is really good information and I absolutely love this because I personally, I've had an idea of, you know, what a larger agency looks like, how it runs, what the processes um, are like. And I wouldn't say you're shattering those, but it's it's interesting to me because, like, you know, I, I always hear so much that, you know, you've got to do things this way and this way and this way and this way. But a lot of those things are opposite or different from i guess what you you guys do and so it's just interesting to me that all the stuff i keep hearing because i i read a lot of books or i at least listen to a lot of books i catch a lot of different podcasts um from people i totally respect and like i feel like the message is mainly always the same you know if it's on the same topic the things that come down are always the same you got to do this and you got to do that and um it's just refreshing to know that you don't have to, that you can have your own way of doing things and you can still be successful in long-term. Um, so that's, Absolutely. yeah. Anyway, it's great. Love it. Um, so let me want to make sure I understand this right. So you, it sounds like you have separate, uh, I guess, kind of sales and customer service, but your sales, the people who sell or form the relationship are still available to kind of continue that relationship, even though they may not be the one actually processing the changes, they'll still um, be the interface, like be the, the go-to.
1: Correct. We believe that when people buy insurance from John Darr or yeah. Paul or Heather or whoever, they want to continue to deal with me they view me as their insurance agent if you ask them in the store who's your insurance with they're going to say john dar yeah they're not going to say progressive they're probably probably they're probably not going to say nationwide they're probably not going to say a carrier they're going to say me especially if i'm the one that sold it to them one of the things that you have to realize as you get older and more experienced in this business, the only thing that you that, that tech can't duplicate is me. Yeah, right. You can't duplicate that relationship or that with their agent. So we thought the model was, all right, I want my client to know. I want our clients to know. Here's my agent. And here's who I know, like, and trust to give me the advice that I, I, I need to protect my family, which is typically the, you know, the most important thing we, or the most, the most dangerous thing we do is drive a car every day. Yeah. We, our biggest asset is typically our house or our business. Those, those are the things that, that I want a real person to help me with, um, so that's the advantage that most agents don't realize that they have is nobody can replicate Josh Berg. There is no, there's only one. And, and that's, the, that, that's the beauty of, that's the beauty of the whole thing is that yeah. you have the ability to create whatever that is. And I'm sure there's some people out there that would want to do business with you. And, you know, not everybody wants to do business with us, for sure. We get it. And we make mistakes yeah. and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, you know, we try to combine people or agents with great carriers. In other words, we're very blessed that we have, we represent awesome carriers. And, and it makes it easy to sell because they're just, we're just competitive most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. And then the process of. Whatever it is, the processes, people, processes, and products, really, you know, that's the magic bullet if there is one. That if you can, if you can combine those three, I, I, you know, you really can't help but be successful.
0: Yeah. Um, have you? Have you? Well, you have. You've been through um, downswings in – our industry and in the overall economy and whatnot what kind of effect does that have on, on an agency?
1: Well, luckily back in 2008, I'd love to tell you how smart I was, but this is not, not the case. <laughs> um, 2008 our agency was not necessarily heavy in construction. Um, A lot of guys had a lot of contractors, a lot of, you know, general contractors in construction, that kind of thing. And in 2008, it, it died. You know, I'd love to tell you that I was smart enough to figure out that what was coming and not get heavy into commercial or construction. And, you know, but that wasn't the case. We just, we had some, but not nearly as much as some of the other agencies. Yeah. We're, we're a blend right now of commercial and, and personal lines. We do, a, we do about 60% personal lines and 40% commercial lines. So I think it insulates us in some ways to from, from a downturn. Yeah. Um, with that being said, I think the future of commercial is more into the niche side of things than it is the mm-hmm. generalist. It's going to be hard to be a generalist going forward. I think you have yeah. to really focus on becoming more of a niche player um, and you'll be more successful. Personal lines, personal lines is, is a situation where I, I truly believe our people, our agents will carry us through as long as we leverage the technology that's being created. You know, if you combine a, a, an agent that cares about their folks and gives great advice and helps their clients with the technology that is out there, you know, the ability to communicate in different channels, Facebook, you know, uh, Instagram, texting, whatever. um, If you combine those two, how awesome is that going to be? You're going to be able to have a real person that you deal with every single time and they're going to be, be able. You know, you can instant message them and say, "Hey, I'm thinking about buying a new car. How what are the rates on a Corvette?" You know. Whatever. Yeah. So, I think I think that is um, I think that'll play into your advantage if an agency or an insurance agency understands that and does the things that you need to do to to take advantage of that. And we haven't done everything we need to do so I don't want anybody to think, Oh geez, he's got all the answers. I, I don't, I, I we're behind. Yes, I would you do. Say we're, I would say, <laughs> I would say we're behind on some of that, but we continually try to get better and learn from folks that do understand, you know, texting and, and, and Facebook messenger and all that. Sure. Kind of, you know, stuff.
0: Yeah. All right. Um, do you have, uh, I guess, do you have a book recommendation what what book would what one book would you recommend to anybody listening to this
1: so there's a book out there called "Awesomely Simple" by a guy named john Spence um, John Spence just happens to live in Gainesville and he's a and he's a buddy of mine okay um, so i I know him very well, but I think he really wrote a great book um that's an easy read and it and it does a good job it doesn't it's not insurance focused but it does a good job of um making things simple and awesomely simple and i and i really sometimes need that because i get crazy wild ideas on how i'm gonna you know sell insurance and wherever and and you know i'm i'm the sales guy that has the ideas that i want to take my magic wand and go okay make it happen you know yeah so I, I sometimes get ahead of myself on that side of things, but um, I, I think Awesomely Simple is a good book for most folks to read. It's an easy read, and it will give you a lot of insight into how to run a business.
0: Cool. Um, last, last question I have for you is, where are you guys headed? Where do you want to be in five years?
1: I want to be twice as good as we are now.
0: All right. Is that quantifiable?
1: I think it is if we uh listen to our customers and measure that by premium sold. Gotcha. So, you know, I ideally um we would love to double in size in the next five years, but
0: that would be incredible. What a goal. Holy cow.
1: Yeah. That's yeah. It's, it's, uh, Wow. we'll see, but I think it only, it only happens if we continue to try to get better every day at every little thing we do and strive for that perfection that we'll probably never attain. But, the chase is is the fun part to me. It's just yeah. like, you know trying to get better at everything we do every day, how we answer the phone, how we take a message, how we make a change. We do things like, you know, we still laminate insurance ID cards and mail them out to people. You know, really? The, wow! You know, laminated ID cards. We have a laminator. Do do that that we, that? we burn out every each couple
0: renewal. Months. You, do you do that at everyone's renewal too? We try to. Wow, <laughs> that is impressive.
1: <laughs> it's wow. not; it doesn't happen every time, but it, but it definitely, you know, th- little things like that. That, um, you know, you can get a laminator at an office supply store, and even if you don't do it for every single renewal every single time, yeah, I think if you do it every couple of years, because let's face it, most people have two-year-old insurance cards and in they're glove box anyway yeah um i think it, you know little things like that make a difference but don't that's tell fun. anybody my secrets <laughs> don't worry
0: you know i that's funny i bet you i bet you if anyone ever leaves you guys and they go to another agent they'll be like where's my laminated cards <laughs> <Yeah. You're
1: laughs> like wait oh, so you don't even know what that is
0: oh my wife is a teacher i know what a laminator uh, is
1: <laughs> Yeah, does. that's right. Maybe we can, maybe we can do that. Maybe we could get some third or fourth graders, you know, and, and have a, have it be like a project where we, just, there you uh, go. Send them some cards and land. Those kids would love that.
0: I like it. Awesome, dude. Well, John, thank you so much. Um, I really, really appreciate your time. We need more people like you talking about what they're doing. So super, super appreciated. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you. My pleasure. And and thanks for having me on the show. And thanks for all you do.
0: Heck yeah, man. And by the way, I'm going to send you a calendar invite for five years out. And we're going (laughs) to check in whether you hit that goal or not.
1: Deal. I like it. (laughs) Awesome.
0: Thanks, John.